Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Our guest today is Nadine Alamey, who many of you may remember who spoke at our GeoMob event in February. Nadine is the uh, CEO of the OGC, the Open Geospatial Consortium. And so with that very brief introduction, I'll let her explain a bit more about who she is and what they do and what exactly is the OGC. Nadine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ed. I'm so excited to be here. I was very excited, to be honest, to be invited at GeoMob. It's like such a cool experience (laughs) to be talking about OGC in front of the mob of geospatial experts. (laughs) It it is kind of cool because now that we have the events online due to the pandemic, we get to have guests from the other side of the world. So you're joining me today from from the U.S., from from near Washington, D.C. So it's it's cool that we get to broaden our uh, our audience a little bit, uh, broaden our uh, the people we we reach and interact with. So yeah. welcome to the show. What exactly is the OGC? I heard about it over the years here and there, and people would say, "Oh, the OGC," and I, I never had a full handle on what it is. So very briefly, first up, what is it? So uh, here's how I would define OGC. I would start by saying it's a community, just like the mob. Right. It's a community of geospatial global experts. And what we're trying to do or what I say we're obsessed with is to make sure that geospatial information is findable, accessible, interoperable, reusable, fair. Right. And everybody's using fair these days. We have we're a consortium from the name and we have about 500 plus industry, academia and government members. What we do to make geospatial information fair, we do it via a combination of standards development of agile innovation projects and then a big, big dose of partnership and community building. And I would encourage, you know, the listener to actually check out the OGC website in this case, because what OGC is depends on who is in OGC. So if you look at our members, for example, to give you an idea, I hope the listeners would recognize the government organizations like the NASA and the European Space Agency and the Ordnance Survey mm-hmm. in the UK. I hope they would also recognize some of the commercial entities like, you know, Esri Hexagon, TomTom, Oracle, and perhaps Google, Microsoft, uh, Amazon Web Services, Apple. And uh, mostly, I would also urge them to check out, there's this growing list of startups. So these are names you haven't heard of and you haven't seen, but they're growing and they're joining the geospatial community because of AI and analytics and Internet of Things and new space. And uh, it's so energizing to see essentially this community growing. And that's to me the, the OGC. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that was going to be one of my first questions is that, is this something that, that startups can get involved with? Or, and because, you know, GeoMob, much of our audience, we do have members from places like the Ordnance Survey and, and things like that, but much of our audience is startups or, or even hobbyists and things like that. And so, so that was one of my first points. Is this something that even small companies can get involved in or should get involved in? And how, how do you see that dynamic? Absolutely. I'm, I love startups. So uh, I've I've tried startups twice in my career. One was a consulting geospatial startup, and my last startup was in aviation. So uh, building a platform to disseminate aeronautical weather and flight information. So I, I love startups, and I sympathize with them because they're small, but 
what they're trying to accomplish is actually very big. Those startups are really disruptive, right? They have big ideas. I love how they're usually, they have this can-do attitude. They're always hungry to collaborate. I like this a lot. Actually, you see those startups, they come into this community, they're hungry to learn and they're hungry to collaborate because they know that this world is too big for them. And they know that their data, if they're producing data or their platform or system or solution multiplies in value when it's actually connected to larger operational systems. So they, they get it from the get-go and I, and I love it. And I would say I've seen the interactions. So it's the, uh, the group that's growing the most, I think, in OGC and perhaps it, because it reflects what's happening in the geospatial world overall, right? So I see them, they call themselves, we're small, but we are aiming big right? They're competing with the big guys, I would say, for operational systems, right? So they're not coming in doing this little app on your phone, right? They're coming Mm -hmm. in doing AI for like defense government organizations, for new space, launching real rockets, collecting a lot of data. So it's, I know they're small and they're startups, but actually what they're doing is really big. And I've seen them actually gravitate towards OGC and especially the standards part because they want to show their customers and their investors, actually, that they're serious, right? That they are playing with the big guys, that they understand the environment and that it needs to be connected and that they can be trusted even though they're small. So from that perspective, you can see like they get it. It's easier. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel when they don't have to. So they pick up on this platform that the community is is built. Let's, let's go a bit deeper on this process of standards, because this was also kind of the, the main crux of your talk at GMOB a, a couple of months ago. But how are the standards created? And what are some of the examples that the, the standards the OGC has brought out and some of the upcoming standards and the areas where where you think standards still need to be made and, and explain kind of the process to us. So the process is actually hard work, right? It's consensus-based and consensus is never easy and it takes time, right? You don't just sit in a room of uh, competitors, right? And agree on something easily. So yeah. it, it's, a, it's actually a, a process, like a discovery process. So uh, within OGC, there are two ways to get to a standard, right? So there's, and I like to just emphasize that standards, they're not the end goal. I think the experience of developing a standard is probably more valuable to the community than the standard. The standard represents the collaboration and what they agreed on. It's not, you know, nobody dreams of, I want to write a standard. <laughs> so when I look at, I'll take an example. We're, we're all developing right now, uh, and I mean all of us, the OGC APIs, right? So like the next generation APIs for geospatial location information. So the members of this community, they get together and via a series of meetings, via a series of developer sprints, right? They, they begin to build the building blocks to put together the building blocks of the standard. And eventually, after it gets tested in these sprints and documented, they start to document it essentially in this formal standard that then goes to a technical committee within OGC, gets formally reviewed, voted on in the technical committee. So you got that essentially from the bottom up, right? Community Mm -hmm. together. 
There's another path, and the example here, say Apple's indoor map data format, the IMDF recently, KML is actually another example, a stack, take stack also as, a, as another example. So these are community standards. So they're developed outside of OGC by a community of experts. And then what happens is at some point when there's enough adoption, of this standard out there or implementation, they bring it to OGC to essentially bring it to the community of global experts and make it an actual international, internationally ratified standard, right? Okay. And in this case, same thing, then the OGC community looks at this, you know, community standard, oh, IMDF, you know, even if it's Apple or if it's Google for KML, what we care about is how does it fit in the ecosystem, right? So, you know, the community looks, does it fit? Most likely it fits. Otherwise, why would this community have developed it, right? And uh, usually they come with plenty of examples of implementation. So here we go. It becomes a standard. So either we create it together or the community creates it, brings it, and then we take it from there. KML, GeoTIFF are all examples of, you know, this second path so to speak okay what, what are some of the some of the areas that are being worked on right now i mean in your in your talk you gave several good examples but just for the benefit of the listeners this time with things around like drones and stuff like that maybe you can tell us some of the areas you're excited about oh absolutely so there's a lot going on there's uh, exciting stuff and uh, how do i say this like fundamental stuff that people you know uh, assume will magically happen but actually it's a lot of work behind it uh, things like discrete global grids you know, the heavy, heavy stuff, the dynamic CRSs and so on. But for the exciting stuff, sensor things is definitely exciting because it addresses this tasking and getting data from Internet of Things, right? Mm. And everybody has things like our phones and, uh, <laughs> and the connected vehicles and the, I mean, we've been doing this forever. And if you think about it in the geospatial community, like when we detect earthquakes or flooding or equality, we've always been Internet of Things, right? In geospatial, but now it's really mainstream. I would highlight uh, GeoPackage is another popular, I think, exciting thing these days, again, because of the mobile, because we're trying to deliver the map, the tiles to the mobile device. And this is a standard that encapsulates the data such that it's efficient to transmit, but also you can sort of sync up in disconnected and connected environments when you go back and forth. I will mention gaming, gaming and simulation. <laughs> so that's very exciting. My kids, uh, I mentioned, think in, in the Geomob talk, I have two boys ages nine and 13. And so they play a lot of video games and mm. we now have Epic Games. So the, uh, the creators behind Fortnite are now in OGC. And that's, that's so exciting to my kids, but also it makes them realize what I do for a living because <laughs> these worlds in the games, right? It's, it's the same expertise. It's, I mean, I love it. You, you talk about exciting. I can't go on, but like everything that we're doing under the AI ML, I know it's cliche, but actually the work is, is amazing, right? Because, uh, the data is, like just so overwhelming. The only way you can do this is with AI. And uh, the way we're actually sort of uh, going higher in the abstraction level. So now we know sort of how to do AI and ML. We're getting to the point where how do we share the training data sets amongst each other? And how do we track the quality and the provenance of the data 
when we use it. So I can go on, but it's very interesting because you know obviously humans have been measuring the Earth you know, since time started in different ways, shapes and forms. So, yeah, I guess the inclination for the outsiders to think there are standards for all these things. And, and you know, we have ways to refer to location, but it, the changes in computing and, and network connectivity and the devices that we really are, there is always a, a continual forefront of things that need to be defined fresh, new ways to transmit all the data and things like that. Still, while you're here, I do want to take the opportunity to nail down one fundamental thing as the head of the organization that is setting these standards. Is it longitude, latitude, or latitude, <laughs> longitude? Let's just, let's just get it done once and for all and, and have it figured out. I, I will, uh, I, <laughs> this is funny. So I think I would leave the uh, listener guessing. Maybe they can <laughs> then check out, uh, you know, our standards. But, you know, to be honest with you, it makes me laugh because what makes my head buzz more than like the latitude, longitude and all of this is, uh, I, you know, attended, I just attended like everybody, the uh, OGC member meeting a couple of weeks ago. We have those four times a year. And okay. this is how my head like goes. Psh, I mean, you talk about latitude, longitude and longitude, latitude. But, you know, these guys are talking about, you know, defining discrete global grid systems. Right. So this is like, you know, how do you do this? The tessellation of all the cells so that you can partition and address the globe. And then we're getting into this dynamic CRS. So forget about latitude, longitude. This is like the earth is actually shifting and things are not really where you think they are in relation yeah. to each other or in relation with the earth. And how do you now encode your coordinates with respect to a CRS that's also dynamic? So it's like that, like you're saying is, is we, we settle on something, but then there, there are bigger issues that we encounter as we mature together. Sure. Let me, let me ask one question. You know, we've been joined GeoMop for many years and over the years, more and more of the talks and the presentations come about from people who are now able, able to experiment because data has become so readily available, right? Whereas it used to be kind of a barrier to even get access to the data. And, and actually one of the big success stories in Geo in, in the last 15 years was has been the rise of OpenStreetMap. And now almost every new experiment is done with OpenStreetMap. And, you know, some people say OpenStreetMap has been, has succeeded despite the fact that it's not well-structured and defined and there's not a, you know, there's not a defined list of tags. And some people say it, it has succeeded only because it's not well-defined and well-structured. And as a result, everyone can kind of do whatever they want and, and then people start doing and it just kind of happens and eventually, you know, best practices kind of get copied or, but anyway, the point is we have this amazing source of innovation and, and the, the, the structure of OpenStreetMap is actually very basic. There is no real standard behind kind of a very, very basic. Things can be, you know, kind of a, a node or a way. And so how do you see that? How do you, how do you see the, not OpenStreetMap specifically, but the dynamic between the need for like structured standards and, and people coming together and defining these things versus kind of the duocracy model of an OpenStreetMap and, and, and indeed of the, of the internet to a degree where everyone's just kind of, doing things all the time and doing whatever they want and things just kind of emerge. How do you, how do you see that tension there? So I think there are a couple of issues here, right? So there's, if we take the simplicity, I think, of OpenStreetMap first, and I, yeah. I, this is something I try to remind myself all the time, that our jobs are 
difficult because we take complex concepts and we make them accessible and easy to use. And I think yeah. OpenStreetMap is an amazing example of that. So making the data so widely accessible and editable by everybody, not not just geeks and not just, you know, uh, experts, right? That's right, right, sure. And we both know that in the back end, it's definitely not that simple. So they, you know, actually a lot of work goes on in the back end. So the simplicity for the user, I think, is what makes it so attractive and so usable. And I think that's true for everything. And we're we're trying now, uh, really trying within OGC. That's why we're spending a lot of energy on the OGC APIs, for example. I think this is a great example where we're trying on purpose, deliberately, to make it simple for the non-geospatial people to be able to incorporate mm. location into their applications. We call them the non-geo you know, non geeks, right? Well, I, I think that's the biggest group. And actually, many, many of the people that come to Geomob it's exactly that. They, they may have a technical background, but not necessarily a geo background. And then they, they start developing some service and they want to add location to that service. right? Yeah. And these are people who have necessarily have any formal training in, in GIS or anything like that. But they're very creative and the tools let them be very creative. So yeah. in, in that regard, I have heard some people express like, oh, you know, standards might be a bad thing, right? Because it, it limits our thinking and it locks us in and it, it doesn't allow this freedom. Mm. So this is issue number two, right? So I said there are two issues. There's the simplicity, which is I think we all agree on, and we're all, especially as as geospatial people, you know, we're we're really trying to be deliberate about it because in the past we've pride we've prided ourselves on being a complex, you know, <laughs> things are so complex, you don't understand it. You have to come to me, right? right yeah. <laughs> so issue number two is exactly what you bring up, Ed, which is, do we need standards, right? Can't we just, especially when we go into, like you said, this world of mainstream location, can't I just mix and match? And why, why do I need a standard? And I think it comes down to two things. One of them is scale. So when you look at what we're doing with Internet of Things, for instance, I mean, sure, or with the APIs, you know, sure, you can combine, you know, this and that and the other and create your application. But COVID, right, and I mentioned this in the Geomob discussion, COVID alone highlighted that, you know, when you have all these APIs for hospitals and government agencies at the local and the regional level, and you're trying to create just a simple dashboard for people to know what's going on in their community, when you have to spend all your time trying to figure out, you know, how to connect to this and that, even though it's easy one by one. But when the scale becomes so big, yeah. kind of things is like, you know, that's why we need standards. And this is why I'm trying to, to change the narrative around standards. It's not something to restrict us. It's the opposite. It's more, I call it this integrated approach these days between standards and this innovation that's happening. So we're not anymore sitting and developing a standard so people can use it. We're actually, you know, people are doing, communities are doing these things, right? They're connecting or they're visualizing or they're streaming. And out of that, we are bubbling up a standard, right? So it becomes like the, you know, that's why it's literally from the ground up. So the developers, so to speak, they're bubbling up that standard and the standard is then used to create more innovation. This links back to your earlier question about the startups. So then the startups come in and take what we agreed on as a foundation, build more innovation, 
out of it comes more standards and the cycle continues. I'm waving a lot with my fingers if you're on, you know, <laughs> listening. Sure, yeah, <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the downsides of the podcast format is people can't see all the, the hand waving. So. so, yeah, I call it integrated approach, you know, standards and innovation. And especially these days, one feeds the next, and that's how we get better and better. And that's how we all don't reinvent the wheel every time. Yes, I mean that's definitely one one negative of the duocracy approach. Is first of all, there are a lot of people who like to be doers, you know, the software developers who kind of ignore everyone else's prior work because they want the fun of building their own thing. But many things get built again and again and again. And uh, as we saw with COVID dashboards, for example, you know, there's so many different COVID, which were which were all obviously well intended and is great. But yeah, I guess another question that came up for me when I when I looked at the OGC website, you listed at the beginning some of the some of the names that are involved. And I mean, it's it's like some of the biggest companies in the world, some of the, the biggest names in technology, particularly in geotechnology and national mapping agencies and space agencies. So. I, for you, as as the head of this organization, how are you? Tell us some stories about how you juggle those different interests, because there must be different motivations and different desires. People trying to push different technologies or standards. How, how does that play out? You must have some some let's say funny anecdotes to share there. I love the dynamics, by the way. I think it's this diversity and the community, right, that makes it so exciting and that makes standards not dull, right? Standards are associated, I don't know, for people. It's like, ugh, it's like this very rigid thing. But when you put this group of people together, especially the uh, the global nature, the big and the small, the traditional and the new, and there's, you know, you sprinkle academia <laughs> in the oh, middle right, of sure. it, you get a very interesting group and I think what's inspiring about that and what's energizing right is that at the end of the day they have different interests but they're coming here to OGC for the same reason because you know location to them is everywhere and they're encountering it everywhere they go and they all know that the value at the end of the day is in the integration and that nobody can have all the data or all the tools or all the processes or, or even the knowledge. So you can see where they start to agree on, you know, the subset, right, where they meet, right? Mm. And I love that in, in a way, how do they say this? Like they're trying to increase the, uh, the size of the whole pie to increase their portion of the pie. So there are maybe a couple of stories I can tell. There's a story about, it's not a story of conflict, but it's the story of an aha moment when we invited, uh, speaking of COVID, and I know we're sick of it, but we're learning so much, right, as a, as people and as geospatial experts. So we invited the WHO, so the World Health Organization's like Director of Analytics and Data, mm -hmm. you know, to the OGC meeting. And he looked around the room, okay, it's a virtual room, and he's like, oh my God, I see all of these names that you mentioned, right? And the innovators. And he says, I don't understand. We cannot, we are, governments are not able to track where the vaccines are being de delivered or when to, when, when they will be delivered to a location so that the local authorities can plan accordingly, especially with the vaccines they expire right. and so on. And yeah. it's like, and I look at you and I hear you. I mean, like, 
if Amazon and FedEx and every post office were able to do this, I mean, you guys can track things. I just heard you talk about all the Internet of Things. He says, you don't understand. We don't even have a global map of all the hospitals or the urgent care centers in the world. You know, so it's like, mm. you know, so you have all this community, but I, where is it when, when I need it in, in this case? So I think it's just like, this is when I go back to actually, there are so many things we can gravitate towards as a community despite our own interests to actually help with like these global causes like this but otherwise i see uh, the dynamics between maybe large businesses and small businesses on the ogc apis this is a good example because this is like uh, what do they call it real real tv is it reality tv reality right TV, yeah. Yeah. so i like the OGC APIs are developed like reality TV. It's happening right now. And so you can see, we were talking about the startups, you know, how they're doing. I mean, they can, you know, spin off an API a day or maybe an hour. I don't know. So yeah. they're going at it and we're sort of telling them, no, there's a consensus process. Other people have to test it. You have to combine it. It has to be aligned with guiding principles of APIs in general. And then you see the large businesses, right, in that same context. So the large businesses, they have product roadmaps and they have release cycles and update cycles. And no, we cannot just, you know, a month later change the name of something, right? Yeah. right? And so you totally see that tension of, of like it's happening right now because we're talking about something we're building right now that's also being implemented at scale right now, right? So it's not like we build it today and in three years, you know, they pick it up. No, no, no. It's like happening right now. So one of the most amazing exchanges we had a couple of weeks at the member meeting was about the name of one of these APIs. And so now that it's been tested and sort of social Socialized, and you know, somebody was like, you know, but the name, and you can see, it's like, no, we can't change the name. I've already put it in my product, and it's just a simple thing, right? All right, yeah. I I love it. So you have these tensions. Of course, governments have are way more you know, strict on the standards and then the documentation and the compliance. But that's how it plays out eventually. And I think eventually, that's why when I look at OGC and it's like a bit overwhelming in a good way when you look at all the domains because it is, yes, say 500 plus, I don't know, 535 members or so, but it's not like the whole 500 are working on the exact same thing. They're split into all these groups. So some groups are working on, you know, the map API, the others on the styles, the others on the gaming and simulation. So the, it becomes smaller groups, again, with the same interests to get something out the door, right? Okay. On, on that positive note, I mean, it's, it's great to hear about the combination of people from all over the world, from companies large and small, organizations large and small. Hopefully what comes out then is usable software that, that are usable standards that we can all build upon. So as we kind of wrap up, what are the thoughts you'd like to leave people with? What is the final message to the GeoMob community that you'd, you'd like to make sure that they, if they, they come away with one thing about the OGC? I think my conclusion or my, my constant repeated aha moment, the exciting times we live in, the fast pace of innovation. So the way we started this, right, this podcast, but also the scary times right? Because the, of the big problems like the COVID or like the climate change. If there's one thing to take away is the value of geospatial, the value of you, the listener, if you're part of the geomob, you're the glue 
these days, you, you know, you are the glue. It's such a privilege to be able to be the, you know, the expertise or the, the, the focal point for actually integrating the world's data. And I would say it doesn't happen on its own, right? That's why we need standards, but it's not just about standards. That's why we need geospatial, but it's not just about geospatial. It's standards and technology and innovation. And I've said community how many times, maybe we have to count how many times I said community in the podcast. And, you know, eventually it's, it's this mission to make you know, location, right information, I go back to the fair, but also the ethical part. So we're sitting on, you know, it's a huge responsibility right now. And we want to make sure that, you know, the data when it's used, it's used in an ethical way. So I would plead with everybody to engage in the process. Standards is not magic. They don't just appear on their own. You you make them, we make them. So I would uh, just leave you with a call to engage with OGC. The more voices that are in the process, the better the standard is or the best practice, but also the faster we get there. And we all want to get there. So please join us. It's fantastic. Thanks very much, Nien. I, I echo that call to everyone to get involved. Excellent. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? So the best way is email. I can leave my email. Um, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll yeah, put it in the show that, notes. That's so. great. Of course, I'm like, I'm trying to get more active on uh, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to find me, you can find me. And if you want more information about OGC and how you join it, there are membership levels that are on our website and you can join from an individual as an individual to your organization all the way up to becoming a strategic member. So you can browse and yeah, please ask any questions. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Nadine. And thanks for all the, the great work over at the OGC. Thank you so much. You you are OGC. It is a community. So I appreciate being here. I'm, I'm still very flattered and I feel so cool being now part of the mob, the Geo <laughs> mob. Uh, so thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is Geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.